Rebel Alliance. This is City Church. My name is Yo. My wife and I, uh, we lead the youth here at City Church where we're all about following Jesus together. And if this is your first time visiting us, well, welcome. We're glad you're here. And uh, we'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And there's an easy way to do that. You can just text to the number you see on the screen. Just text the word guest there. And uh, we're going to send you a little information about who we are as a church so you can decide, hey, maybe this place of rebels is where I want to make my home church. So uh, if you're interested in that, please send that in. And then also on your way out, if you're visiting for the first time, we do have a gift that we want to give you before you go. So be sure to talk with one of our greeters before you vacate the premises. Um, and then as far as announcements go, uh, next week we're going to have a welcome lunch. And this is for anyone who's new to the church, who wants to find out more about the church, find out about ways that you can get involved with the church, uh, come and uh, learn all about that, and get lunch. So, you know, it's a good deal. Uh, so that'll be next Sunday, March 3rd. That's going to be in the Commons, which is right over there. And then on the following Sunday, March 10th, we're going to have some special guests. We're going to have Jake and Ashley Tyler Smith. Uh, they're joining us from Living Hope Church in Canada, eh? And uh, they're going to share on Sunday morning, and then they're also going to share on Wednesday at the uh, Young Adults meeting. And so we'll be excited to hear about their experiences in ministry and what they have to share with us. So be sure to join us for that. Um, and now we're going to take our offering. We're going to continue our worship as we give back to a God who is so good. Um, there's lots of ways that you can give. You can give online at our website. You can text in and text the word give, and you can give that way. And then there's boxes at the back of the auditorium, so you can just drop it off old school if you'd like to do that. You know, tithing can be a scary thing sometimes. Proverbs 3.5 tells us that we need to trust in the Lord with all of heart, our hearts, and we should not lean on our own understanding. Sounds good when you read it in the Bible. It's hard when you have to try and do that in real life. You know what I'm saying? My daughter had an experience recently where she was getting a little worried about tuition and finances and all this type of stuff, and she just made this choice, you know what, I'm going to tithe anyway. So she tithed, and then it turned out her tuition wasn't as expensive as she thought it was going to be, and then it turned out she got some unexpected scholarship opportunities that she didn't see coming, and then you just realize, you know what, Maybe uh, Proverbs was right when it said it's good to trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. You just don't know what's going to happen when we trust God. If we're faithful to God, you know he's going to be faithful to us in all things, even our money. So let's pray for our tithes and offerings this morning. God, we're so thankful that you are faithful. You're faithful even when we're not. But we want to be a faithful people. And we want to show our faithfulness in all things, including our finances. So as we give back to you for all the generosity that you've shown us, God, we pray you'll take these tithes and offerings, multiply them, use them for your kingdom, and just uh, spread your good news uh, to the corners of the earth. And we thank you that we get to be a part of that through our finances. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, did you know that today is National Let's All Eat Right Day? No, really, it is. It's, it's also... National Chocolate-Covered Nut Day. And I'm like, well, they're nuts, so I guess that's healthy, but it's chocolate-covered. Right, dark chocolate. I'm thinking, like, peanut M&Ms, does that qualify for National Let's All Eat Right Day? You know what the best way to eat right, though, is? Get a steady diet of God's Word. So that's why we're going to welcome Marisa up on the stage. I think that's a perfect food. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to do this. Give me one sec. I just don't trust me to not trip over this. Every week I see my husband get so close and I'm like, oh, that was me. I should probably tell you, I've been in ministry for 24 years and I've yet to fall up or down or on the platform, which means the odds are getting pretty close that it's going to happen soon. <laughs> uh, well, Jeff and the girls are in Denver this morning. Uh, myself and Olivia and Isabella. Oh my gosh. I'm out of breath from carrying that over there and bending over. We have 17 stairs in our house and I've lived here now for seven and a half months and I still get out of breath when I get to the top of my stairs. Will this altitude thing ever kick in? Okay, 
Praise the Lord. 20 or 30 years. <laughs> uh, so Jeff and, um, sorry, myself, Isabella, and Olivia, we all chipped in to buy Jeff a Christmas gift of tickets to the Leaf uh, Toronto and Denver game in Denver, Colorado that happened last night. So the three of them drove down yesterday, drove up, drove up, thank you, drove up yesterday and uh, spent the night in a hotel. They, w they w went to the game. They had made a sign, Olivia had made this sign saying, we're from Hamilton, Ontario, we're here for, I don't know the number of their favorite player. And when they arrived, the security wouldn't let them bring the sign in because it was too big. So she took a picture holding it and then threw it in the trash. Uh, but God was faithful to them. The Leafs won and it was a good game. <laughs> anyway, this morning they are at the Pearl Church in Denver, Colorado, and then they'll be back today. So um, I have the, the privilege and honor of sharing with you guys the next part of our um, message series about moving forward together. As you know that we've been doing this whole series this year really providing an overview of the future that God is calling us to here at City Church as we are following Jesus together. Last week, Jeff shared with you um, a handful of our values, our church values, and we're going to continue to talk about those values this morning. Last week, he reviewed a kind of a quick review of all of them. Jesus is our message. God's presence is our passion. Community is our heart. Generosity is our joy. Honor is our code. Servant leadership is our privilege. And the Great Commission is our calling. I want to encourage you to take a minute and look at those on the screen. And just ask the Holy Spirit, will you highlight one of these that I can grow in? We recognize that amongst all of these different values, some of them are more aspirational. And some of them are already embedded in our culture. But how many know we can grow in all of them? And we really believe that a little step every day in the right direction is what is going to produce momentum and growth. And so having the Holy Spirit highlight one and committing to grow in one, if the whole church does that, imagine where we will be in a year. These values will more reflect who we are as a people and who God is calling us to be. So today we're going to talk specifically at God's presence is our passion, generosity is our joy, and honor is our code. If you want to uh, take a peek at, if you weren't here and didn't hear Jeff's message last week, he touched on the other four, so you can go back um, online and listen to that message. These are uh, the final three that we're going to talk about today, and I just want to let you know, we're just scratching the surface. Last week and today, this is just like an introduction because there is so much depth and richness. There is a lot of doctrine and strong theology surrounding each of these values that over time, we will go more and more in depth. We will expound on these and dive deep into scripture. So we're just giving an overview last week and this week. Is that okay? So let's talk about God's presence is our passion. I think this is my favorite of all the values. <laughs> Can we have favorites? I think this one is my favorite. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In fact, this morning we were singing, I won't get the lyrics exactly right because I don't, exactly know the whole song but we sang this morning and one of the lines in the song talked about when we worship you you come and in your presence shows up the line of that song is taken from this scripture in Psalm 22 this is a truth in scripture this is a for us as a non-denominational charismatic spirit-filled tr truth this is a foundational doctrinal scripture for us that as God's presence is our passion. And this is actually really beautiful because we, you've heard us say over and over again, and we will continue to say it, we owe people an encounter with God. When people come to church on Sunday morning, when you bring your neighbor, your unsaved friends, your coworkers, people that God puts in your path during the week, it would be a disservice if they showed up and they heard some nice songs, and they heard a message, but never experienced the presence of God. It's the presence of God that changes everything. 
It's the presence of God that takes a truth that I have in my, my head and moves it into my heart and makes it become a reality, a conviction, something that I can live by and grab hold of. But without the presence of God, there's no change. There's no fruit. There's no life. There's no power. So we owe people an encounter with God. And we, you know, I, this is the one I have to be really careful of. I was telling the prayer team this morning, I just could go off for hours talking about this topic but it's for another day. We understand at a deep theological root system level that when we begin to praise the Lord, that he comes and he inhabits our praise. It is why we worship here at City Church. I can't tell you why other churches worship. I can't tell you why they do what they do. But I can tell you that here at City Church, the reason we start with worship and a number of songs and just beginning by together, lifting our voices in praise and worship to God is because we are passionate about God's presence. And we know that his presence comes when we take the time to worship him. It's not just a cool, trendy thing. We want to be a church that has a band. That is not it at all. That is not it in the least. Um, there's kind of three different measures, let's call them, of the presence of God. One would be like the intellectual presence of God. We know that God is with us everywhere we go, right? If you don't know that, let me just tell you this morning that everywhere you go throughout your week, God is with you. You are not alone. We carry this truth about the presence of God. But then there's another level of the presence of God. It's called the conscious presence of God. And this is an example of when John Wesley prayed and gave his heart to the Lord, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. It's in this conscious presence of God where we sense his nearness and his closeness. It moves from, I know he's with me, to, oh, I sense that he's here. Do you know the difference? Then there's a third a third type, and it's the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is more intense than when I sense him, although it usually always involves some sort of a sense or a feeling. And there's a quote in this beautiful book that the prayer team has been reading, um, and it says, God's manifest presence generally has a sweeping impact touching many people, even whole communities or regions, not merely a single individual. Real revival, frequently, but not always, is the result of the manifest presence of God on his people. How many want to see revival come to Albuquerque? How many want to see revival come to America? Come on, it is the manifest presence of God where we walk into a space and the room is aware the King of Glory is here. And that's what we are believing for that week after week after week we will be a church that carries the presence of God the manifest presence of God where when people show up they are hit with the beauty the majesty the awe and wonder the glory of God and they leave different than the way that they arrived the promise of praise is God's manifest presence when we come here to worship, when we come here and begin to lift our voices, we're not just singing lyrics on a song. We are saying, Lord, you promised that when I praise, your presence will come and be in our midst today. So that's why I'm offering a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of my lips, giving thanks to your name, is because I am passionate about your presence. And if you don't come, I don't want to be here. And that's a true statement for me. If he doesn't come, I don't want to come either. I want the presence of God so deeply in this place. Psalm 100, 1 to 4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. That's one of the reasons we start the way we do. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. 
That's why we do what we do when we gather together. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If you want to experience the presence of God in your life beyond, I know he's with me. I think maybe like I can sense him. If you want to live a life where you experience the presence of God, develop the habit of praise. Develop the habit of worship. Let his presence just be manifest in your home. Manifest in your car. It's a promise. It's a promise. If you're going through a hard time, let me give you this challenge. Spend 10 minutes just praising the Lord and see what happens. Your situation might be identical when you finish that time of praise, but your spirit will be in a very different place. Your perspective will have shifted. You will have tapped into something that's far deeper and far more powerful than the situation that you're going through. Amen. We are going to get into the theology of praise and worship later this year and into next year. We are going to talk about the roots, the root system of why we worship the way we do. It's not because, it's not a, it's not like a choice. It's not like, let's pick what style of church we want to be. Ooh, I like that one. Let's copy that model. That is not why we worship the way that we do here at City Church. Let me give you a little tiny bit of a, a scratching of the surface, okay, as it were, for, for the foundation of our praise and worship here. How many are familiar with Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation? Not Martin Luther King Jr., I have a dream. The father of the Reformation. How many know when I say that name? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, this was a man who uh, was living in England and he is attending church and he realizes through revelation of scripture, he realizes that there are some things being taught that don't align with scripture. The church at the time was making people pay indulgences. Pay money essentially to ensure your spot in heaven. He reads through the scriptures and he has a revelation. Hold on, I'm justified by faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus died on the cross and by faith I receive the power of the cross. I now am a child of God. I don't have to pay money to get into heaven. Among other things, this was one of the revelations that he had. So he went, wrote down 99 points and nailed them to the door of the, of the church. That's what he's known for. He's the father of the Reformation. Because of what this revelation, a whole system of religious um, church, the way people viewed going to church and the way people viewed uh, religion and Christianity, it shifted back into alignment with the truth of Scripture. We don't pay indulgences to get to heaven. We receive Christ by faith. And that's it. It's not a work of any man. No man can boast. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. During his lifetime, there was another um, couple of people who realized when they looked at Scripture, it doesn't say anything about sprinkling as a form of water baptism. The word baptism, baptismo, means a fully immersed and submerged. So they step up and they're like, hey, we've been doing baptism wrong. It doesn't say anywhere in scripture to sprinkle. When we look at scripture, when we look at what Jesus modeled, when we look at the whole of the Bible, we realize water baptism is a complete submerging under the water, symbolizing the death and burial with Christ and rising up as a new creation in Jesus. And they're like, we gotta start doing water baptism this way. And a whole new denomination was birthed because of this revelation. In fact, you know them today as Baptists. The church meeting across the street. Thank you that God gave them a revelation of water baptism because we are so thankful for that revelation in our own lives. Okay? If you were to, these are just two examples. If you were to look back through church history, if you study restoration theology, you will see that there time after time after time, something that was revealed in scripture got removed from the church through history, through the dark ages, through a variety of reasons, and the church came out kind of on the other side of history, not looking the same as it once did. Along the same lines, praise and worship is one of those things. Somebody had a revelation of that verse in Psalms that said, hold on, when we praise the Lord, when we let the fruit of our lips give thanks to his name, his presence comes into our midst. We need to change the way we worship in church. 
and men and women of God began studying the scripture and God restored to the scripture some of these beautiful ways of praise and worship that we see modeled in the Bible. God began to restore that back to the church. And I gotta tell you, in the foundational roots of City Church is a conviction of this theology. There was never a decision that was made at City Church that said, let's copy that way of doing worship because it looks more appealing. It's more modern, it's more relevant. Maybe the younger generation will like it. No, there was a, a theological understanding. When I praise the Lord, he comes and inhabits my praises. Therefore, what do we do so that we ensure the presence of God is here every week? We gotta be a praising church. We gotta be a worshiping church. Now, we're not gonna get into all the scriptures on the screen behind me, but this is just a sprinkling. This is just, you could do some reading on your own and see specifically in the book of Psalms, you see things like dancing, instruments, you're using your talking voice, using your singing voice, lifting our hands, uh, kneeling, bowing, dancing. We see a whole bunch of expressions in praise and worship in Psalms. We see them when we study the tabernacle of David who had a revelation that no previous um, king did about how we're supposed to create a space for the presence of God to be operating in our nation. And through these studying of these different things in scripture, we learn there's a way that we get to worship the Lord when we come into his house. And it has nothing to do with my preferences or my personality. It has everything to do with what we see in scripture. I get to then say, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone and I'm gonna do what I see written in scripture. I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna kneel, I'm gonna bow, I'm gonna shout, I'm gonna clap, I'm gonna lift my hands. Not because we're copying something, because in the root system of City Church is a theological conviction that there is a way to approach the throne of Christ. And so we copy that. Do me a favor, everyone give me just a wave. Hey Marisa, give me a wave, give me a wave. You've all just proven that you know how to lift your hands in church. Come on. Listen, there's churches that don't have this theological conviction. And, and if it's not your theological conviction, there's lots of churches you could go to where this is the form of worship. Not here. This expression of worship is not in the Bible anywhere. Standing with my mouth shut and my hands in my pockets. You're holy, Lord. There's a place for silence and for introspection. There's a place for, for quiet in the presence of God. Okay, there's a place for that. But to get into the presence of God, we worship, we praise, we bring a sacrifice. A sacrifice, not what I like to do, a sacrifice. And when I tell you that time after time after time, when I have been, like, like Yo was talking about rebellion, when I come to church and I'm like, and then I say, I'm gonna worship. I'm having a rotten day. I'm having a rotten week. I'm going to worship. I, let me tell you something. Last Sunday morning, I experienced breakthrough in the front row because, because I came into the service with something heavy on my life. And the Holy Spirit said, dance before me, Marisa. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing five-inch heels, Lord. I used to be a dance teacher. I took dance my whole life and parents used to always say, what class should I put my kids in? And I would always say ballet because then they can wear heels forever. <laughs> but I was dancing, dancing, dancing. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit started doing something in my spirit. My spirit was being broken and the Lord was uprooting some things in my life. I'm standing in there, the first song. That's not when the Holy Spirit's supposed to show up. The first song, I'm weeping and dancing and singing. Uh, what was the song we sang? It was, um, you pick me up, turn me around, place my feet on a solid ground. It was wrecking me. Why? Because I said, okay, fine, Lord, I'll dance. I don't want to. I would rather just, you know? And then I obeyed, and that obedience led to a breakthrough in my life. Okay, I got it change gears. <laughs> We're going to do more deep diving into worship, the theology of worship. Um, 
We are gonna be creating more space for there to be openness during our services where we're not always just moving from one song to the next, but creating space to just wait in the presence of God. This morning, Cinnamon had such incredible sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Did you guys notice that? Where there was these moments when all of your voices were just lifting up the name of the Lord and they weren't telling us what to do. There was no lyrics on the screen. We wanna create more spaces like that in this, in this place. We believe that the prophetic is gonna be more activated when we take time and worship and praise the Lord. That God has a now word that he wants to deliver to his people. When we say your presence is our passion, that's why we're here. I'm excited. Still haven't caught my breath from when I bent over. Uh, Generosity is our joy. For three of us, it is. Hallelujah. (laughs) But truly, the Bible says that God delights when we're cheerful, when we give. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. Sometimes, like I said earlier, some of our values can be aspirational more than they are cultural. And we're going to work at making all of these cultural. But there's going to come a spirit of joy in our church as we continue to pursue this, where we live generous lives and we are delighted and joyful to live generously. I love the story that Yo shared about his daughter saying, I don't know if I'm gonna have enough money for this and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And she's like, I'm gonna tithe anyway. And God showed up. God made financial provision for her in her very moment of need. Malachi chapter 3, this is the most famous scripture on tithing. No one likes it when we talk about money in church, but let's just let the word of the Lord offend us instead of me. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there, may be found in my, uh, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Yo's daughter, put this to the test. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. This is the only time in scripture where we are given the invitation to test the Lord is with our tithes. Now, again, scratching the surface, but let's just do a quick theological dive. But Marisa, you're quoting an Old Testament scripture to talk about tithing. Yep, you're right, I am. Tithing actually existed prior to the Old Covenant. Tithing existed way, 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 way back in the days of Abraham. He had an encounter with a priest named Melchizedek, who we know was a type of Christ, or potentially Christ in the flesh. He had an encounter, and he gave him a tenth of all that he had. He was operating in this spiritual principle long before it was ever written in, an old, in, an, in the Old Covenant. In the New Testament, Jesus affirms tithing. He's talking to the religious leaders and he says, yeah, you bring the tenth of all of your stuff in here and that's great that you do that, but let's not forget some of these other matters. Jesus was known for correcting the religious people. He was known for saying, what are you doing? You hypocrite, you heathen, you think you're this. In that moment, he had a really great chance to say, why are you tithing, guys? That's the old covenant. We don't need your 10% of this stuff anymore. But he didn't do that. Jesus said, that's good that you do that. Now, let's talk about the stuff that you, you got to work on. Tithing is not an old covenant thing. Tithing is a forever thing. The word tithe means a tenth. For those of you who are unaware, a tithe means a tenth, which means the life of the believer should strive to get to the point where we can give 10% of our income to the Lord as a minimum. Listen, um, Rick Warren built a successful church in California. That man tithes 90% of his income. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing to be able to say, I'm able to give God way more than what he requires? I think that would be amazing. But tithe is a tenth. And so one of the ways we could be generous is by being obedient to the tithe. And then in addition, offerings. What is the Lord putting on your heart to give over and above that 10%? Is there a ministry that you want to sow into? Is there something that comes up on the giving form when you give on the website where you say, ooh, I want to I give to youth or I want to give to missions or whatever. Where over and above our tithes can we be giving? We get to be generous 
As Christians, we get to be generous. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says, one person gives freely and yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. If you want to be refreshed in your soul, give. So yes, I'm talking tithes, but I'm also talking not just giving of your finances, but giving of your talents and giving of your time. We can be a generous church by giving of our talents and giving of our time. There's areas in your life where the Holy Spirit may put on your heart for you to say, I want you to live generously in that area. And it will be a sacrifice, even though it will actually be coming out of your wallet. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, back in Hamilton, I had an interior design business. I had just started it um, during COVID, because that's the best time to start a business. <laughs> the Lord really prospered it, and it was, um, it was actually beautiful. But I had an opportunity to be generous with my talents and partner alongside other contractors and tradespeople and bless a family who had a very severely disabled child and say, let's design this girl a bedroom space with a kitchen and a bathroom and all the things that's gonna be really accessible for her, for her caregivers, for her family. I mean, when you use your talents to partner with people who are in need, there's just something beautiful that comes with that. I got nothing from that, but my heart got enriched. Unfortunately, earlier, uh, just at the end of last year, that little girl passed away. And one of the things that we had done was we put a beautiful um, custom, it's like applied like wallpaper, but it's not. But we did this beautiful custom mural on her ceiling because she had no neck control. She only could live her life laying down. So we thought, well, she's laying down. Let's make the ceiling a beautiful place for her to be looking at. And anyways, the whole space was just absolutely lovely and it was such a blessing for this little girl. The colors and the family felt like it worked for accessibility purposes and hospital beds and all their equipment. Well, she passed away and, and I was chatting with her mom just recently and her mom said, this space is so beautiful that we're turning it into a haven of hope for other parents who have kids with disabilities. And now they say for free, come and stay. Have a night, have a weekend, get away. Have someone take care of the family that God's entrusted you with that is really draining and just, just come and get some respite. People are now donating. They have an Amazon wish list. People are donating so that when these families, when this husband and this wife or the wife shows up and has a weekend in this beautiful space, there's gift baskets full of things that are gonna just bless her soul. All of that is a spirit of generosity. The contractors, the trades people, the family who is now using it to bless other people, the people that are going on Amazon and buying things to go into this gift basket, all of that is a spirit of generosity. How does God want you to use your talents to be generous? How does he want you to use your time to be generous? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. It's such an amazing perspective to think about when I'm kind to someone here on this earth that I'm actually kind to the Lord. It says in Matthew 25, starting at verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. This is Jesus talking. Whenever you bless, serve, and are generous to other people, somehow it is you actually blessing, serving, and being generous to Jesus. Uh, my family and I were just actually talking this past week. We had a really lovely habit we had developed in Hamilton that we have not kicked back um, up here in Albuquerque. And we were really convicted last week and we're like, we gotta do this. We always traveled with big, Ziploc bags filled with personal care items, you know, $5, $10 gift cards in Canada, lots of winter hats and socks and scarves and whatever, toothpaste, essentials. 
and some fun things too, not just essentials. And we just carried them in our car and anytime we saw a homeless person, we'd roll down the window and give it to them. And we realized last week we haven't done that here and we're gonna change that because God's called us to be generous. And I don't have to know why they're in that situation. I can't judge why I think they're in that situation. That's not up to anybody. God knows what happened that got them in that situation, but man, I can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I can be generous and I can give them something that's gonna make their day, that's gonna bless them, that's gonna meet a practical need, that's gonna show them that they're seen, that they're valued. They stand at the street corners and on the medians and at stoplights holding up their signs. They're seen by God. And you get to be the hands and feet of Jesus that lets them know, I see you. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what got you in this situation. That's not for me to judge, but man, let me just help you today in this little way that I can. And the Bible says when we get to reflect Jesus to them in that way, somehow we're serving Jesus. We're not serving that person. What is it called now? There's a politically correct way of saying this. Unhoused. Unhoused. We are not just serving the unhoused. We're not just serving the people who have fallen on hard times. We are serving the Lord. He receives it with delight and says, thank you for taking care of me. What a delight. This is part of this whole upside down kingdom we're in that makes no sense. God wants to increase our spirit of generosity and not just so that it's something that we do, but that we find the joy in it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7 says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many are committed to growing in cheerfulness and generosity? Amen. Amen. Finally, this last value is honor is our code. Listen, we live by a code of honor. I don't care who you are, what you have done. I don't care what's going on in your life, where you have come from, what you look like. I don't care about the demographics that make up who you are. You are a child of God and I honor you, not just in words, but in thought, in action. Honor is our code. Honor is the code that we're called to live by. Romans 12, nine and 10 says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo. It's a bit of a competition, guys. <laughs> Outdo one another in showing honor. First Peter 2.17 says this, in case we're unclear, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, that's us. Fear God. And then just for good measure, because sometimes we seem to put the government officials in their own category, they're not part of everyone, he throws in, honor the emperor. Paul wrote this when the emperor was Nero and, and the emperor at the time was killing Christians. Paul would end up dying at the very hand of the man who he's admonishing us to make sure we honor. Honor is not because we agree with them. Honor is not because they like us. Honor is not because we're on the same page politically. Honor is not because they are part of our inner crowd and part of our inner circle. Honor is because they are a child of God, period. Honor Everyone, no exceptions, no exceptions. Bill Johnson has this quote about honor. Do you guys ever find that there's certain people that you've never met, but when you listen to their ministry, when you listen to messages, read their books, there are certain people where you're like, oh, they have something that I don't. Do you ever feel like that? Me and Connie feel like that, okay. <laughs> But there's certain people that when I listen to them online, when I listen to them preach, when I listen to how they talk, I'm deeply convicted. And I say, oh, they have a revelation that I don't. They're living at this higher level that I'm not yet living at. God, help me. Help me emulate Christ the way that they're inspiring me to emulate Christ. Bill Johnson says, a culture of honor is celebrating who a person is without stumbling over who they're not. Yeah. 
well, yeah, but they're a sinner. Okay, yep, I honor. Oh, yeah, but did you hear what they did? I honor. Did you hear the bill that they passed? I honor. I'm not part of this kingdom. I don't have to agree with the decisions that everybody makes. I don't have to see eye to eye with the views that everybody else holds. I'm part of a different kingdom whose maker and whose builder is God. He is my king. And as a result, I manage living in his kingdom by his rules. And one of his rules is honor everyone. Everyone. Even the people you don't like. I know none of you in this room have people you don't like. But if you did... We get to honor everyone. There's not one person who we can justifiably say, I'm withholding honor from them. Listen, if I can say the, the C word, if COVID taught us anything, would it not be that the church lacks honor? You don't agree with me on that? Canceled. You're pro-vaccine? Canceled. You're anti-vax? Canceled. It was, a, it was like on display globally. Wow, this church needs to grow in honor. We are not reflecting the, the, the nature of our king because we disagree with someone over this issue. Let's be a church that says, I don't have to agree with you to honor you. I'm not going to stumble over who you're not. I'm going to honor you for who you are, a child of the Most High God. And thank God for his grace. Because because of his grace and because of his mercy, you can honor me. Not because I deserve it. Not because I'm worthy of it. Just because God's a good, gracious, merciful God, I get to show honor. I get to extend honor. I get to receive honor. Honor is our code. Some questions that I would love for you to reflect on today is when it comes to God's presence is our passion. Ask yourself, am I pursuing God's presence passionately? Maybe you've allowed your relationship with God to become more of like a mundane, routine kind of religion as opposed to an ever-evolving, growing, and thriving relationship with Jesus. You know, our style of church can become just as religious as what we would call a religious church. You can go through the motions, you can blend in, you can look like the, the part, and it can become just as religious and lifeless and powerless. We don't want that. So ask yourself, am I pursuing God's presence passionately? When it comes to generosity is our joy, are there areas of my life, my finances, my gifts, my time, talents, that I have grown stingy with? Are there those areas that I'm stingy with? I want to grow in being joyfully generous so Holy Spirit show me where I'm falling short. And finally, with honor is our code, ask yourself, have I learned to honor others? in my thoughts, in my words, and in my deeds. Everyone, even those who I disagree with or who think differently, act differently, live differently than me, have I learned to honor everyone? Let's allow the Holy Spirit to deposit into our hearts a revelation of what it is to live out these kingdom values. These aren't just a list of seven things that we think would be cool Let's be a church that has these seven statements. These are kingdom values. These are values that if we begin to model them, if we learn to embrace them and allow them to change the way that we live, we will be a church that truly represents the kingdom of God here on earth as in heaven. Again, all seven of them are up on the screen. Let's just take a minute and let's ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, which one of these do you want me to start to grow in? Just between you and the Holy Spirit right now. Just ask him.
Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every heart, just the one, just the one that you want us to start focusing on, Lord. Where we feel like we've had a revelation, would you just show us more? Would you make it deeper? Would you illuminate when we're reading your word? Would you illuminate the passages that reflect this value that you're highlighting to our hearts this morning? That it wouldn't just be something we strive to grow in, but Holy Spirit, would you do the work in our hearts of revealing this value, of highlighting where we've missed it, of highlighting us in the moment when we're stepping out of it, and would you give us the grace to step back into it and say, I'm gonna uphold this value in my life. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to say what you wanna say, to show us what you wanna show us, and to do what only you can do. I'm gonna ask that you just keep your eyes closed for a moment, and if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Maybe a friend brought you, maybe you just drove by or saw us online and you're here today and you don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, to be a part of a church family, to grow in Christ-likeness. I wanna give you an opportunity this morning where you can invite Jesus into your life, where you can say, I recognize that Jesus is the answer I've been looking for. And I would love to pray with you and lead you in a moment where you can say, here I am, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for finding me here today at City Church. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up so that I can see it? I wanna know who and how many I'm praying with this morning. So just all across the room, wherever you're at, if that's you and you would like to pray this, will you just lift your hand nice and high so I can see it? You already waved at me this morning, so we know you know how. <laughs> no, but if you just sense the Spirit of God in your heart, uh, that might feel like butterflies in your stomach. That might feel like you're feeling a little nervous. And something in you might just be like making you feel like, I think I gotta put my hand up. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, saying, come on, let's do this. So I'll just give you another 20, 30 seconds. And if that's you, be bold and lift your hands and we'll pray together before you leave this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Church, let's all just pray this prayer together. If you'll all repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning and I repent for all my sins. I ask that you would forgive me. I recognize today that you are the way, that you are the truth, and that you are the life. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come now into my heart and I place you, Jesus, on the throne of my life and I give you control in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or if you maybe prayed that prayer a long time ago, but you've walked away from the Lord and you feel him drawing you back, I would love to take a minute and chat with you this morning. I'll be kind of down here at the front for the first few minutes after our service. Will you please come and introduce yourself and say hi, I'd love to meet you and give you some uh, information, put some things in your hands that are gonna help you learn what it is to start having your own relationship with Jesus. Amen, church, let's stand to our feet. Jeff and I are so excited about the future of City Church. And we are delighted and humbled and so grateful that we get to be a part of the story of City Church. We never would have dreamt in a million years living in freezing cold Hamilton in Canada that one day we would be here with you, journeying together with you into the future. And we are so excited. We are so excited at what God is doing. Are you excited at what God is doing? We believe in the power of prayer. 
We believe that when we talk to God, that He shows up and talks to us and things change. If you have something going on in your life right now and you would love some people to come around you and agree with you in prayer, we have a prayer team on both sides of the auditorium here this morning at the front. Just come on up and tell them that you would love prayer and they would be happy to link arms with you and pray with you this morning. Thank you guys so much for being here, for worshiping the Lord with all your heart. I pray that you leave this week and continue to encounter the presence of God in a life-changing way. Have an awesome week, you guys. We love you. We'll see you next time. There was a time I was dead inside you called my name and I tried to hide My heart was dark and so full of shame Full of shame But like the dawning of a brand new day Your love has chased my shame away How amazing now to hear you singing Over me, over me Lovely I'll sing, lovely I'll